I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Veteran leaders, if you did not hear last week's podcast with none other than Brian Keith, I suggest you make this a double feature and you head back one week and you listen to everything that Brian Keith shares and everything that he challenges the veteran leaders community to accomplish. I was honored to be a guest on the Certified Clarity podcast with Brian Keith and with their permission, I share some of that audio with you here today. Check out the entire interview. Head over to the Certified Clarity Podcast at Brian Key 360 or on your favorite podcast program. Let's get started. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of Certified Clarity. My name is Brian Keith. I will be your host. Today's guest is a rock star in my eyes. His name is Bernard Bergen. He's a speaker. He's a veteran, a thought leader, and a mentor, and the author of the book, Veterans Transition, a Contact Sport. Bernard has spoken with hundreds of veterans and business leaders since leaving the military. He has captured the principles that helped him to move beyond a career in the military into a career in technology. Bernard continues to serve beyond the uniform by empowering the veteran community through the Veteran Speaker Series and blogging for various platforms. Here's a quote. I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. So Bernard, in your own words, who are you and what have you, is your area of expertise? I love that you asked me that, Brian, and thank you again for having me on your podcast. Always humbled to uh, share a conversation that can help empower someone else's lives. So in my own words, I'd say what I've been through in life has took me through three steps. So unleashed, untethered, unstoppable. And I'm working every day to stay in that unstoppable zone. But at first you have to get unleashed from certain mindsets, habits, and behaviors. You have to get untethered from the status quo or the social circles that you feel most comfortable in. And if you can do those, both, those two things, become unleashed, become untethered, then you can move into that realm where you think it, you can do it, which is what being unstoppable really looks like. And I've had to allow a lot of the pain, the setbacks, the wars, the physical wars, because as a veteran, I, I have deployed to Afghanistan. I went to war, but then the internal wars. You know, something I say all the time is that when you go to war, war gets into you. Mm -hmm. But when you're at war, you learn everything about yourself. And at war, I learned that discipline is my love language. I am attracted to discipline. I love discipline. And accountability is how you sharpen discipline. So if you ask me the one thing that I specialize in, I specialize in accountability. Unleashed, untethered, unstoppable. Tell me about this physical war mindset versus the internal war mindset. Yeah, I, I love that. When we talk about the veterans community, and I'll go back to myself, you went to war or you served in the military for a time frame, and you could have left the battlefield and left the military during a, a certain periods of time. But the struggles can continue. 
the training can continue. The hypersensitivity and hyper-awareness can continue. After I left the military, my wife and I were out at a nice restaurant. And I was sitting there, and she saw me kind of tense up. And I put my, my arms on the armrest and kind of squeezed the armrest. And she, she knows my body language. And she said, Bernard, what's wrong? And we were married over about 12 years at this time. So, you know, she knows me pretty well, knows my body language pretty well. And she sees me start to look around. And then I finally see what I was looking for. And then I relax. And she's like in my space now. She's like, Bernard, what's up? What's going on? And I said, you can't hear the hummingbird on the other side of the window. And she turns and the window is a good 10 feet away. And she's like, I see the hummingbird, but why can you hear it? And until she asked, I'm get, again, I'm in a safe space with my wife. I sat and I thought about why can I hear the hummingbird? And I had some more of my soup. Then I just sat there and I thought about it. And then it hit me. At war, you have to be able to hear the rockets coming from afar off. So you have time to make it to the bunker. Your training and your sensitivity and the way you approach life is way different. And here I am in a wonderful Seattle restaurant with my wife, not in a state of physical war, but internally I'm still prepared for war. If this was not a podcast, I'd scream. <laughs> that is so amazing. Let me be professional. Let me transition into this. You've mentioned veterans. Mm -hmm. Why have you become a veteran advocate? Again, that, that starts in the muck and the mud. That is not a story of, hey, you know, let me lend my voice to the space because, you know, there's so many wonderful people in the space and my voice is one more voice that can just help bridge the gap. When I felt the call to lend my voice to the veteran space, there's a lot of pain in the space. A lot of veterans are doing extremely well, doing amazing things, but there's also a lot of pain in this space. And I feel that if we ignore the pain, if we sweep the pain under the rug, things get worse before they get better. So in October 2016 was when I started the process of learning about, should I be one more voice in the veteran space? And I was nervous about the forward motion because, again, I know the pain. Most of my friends are veterans, so I know the ups and downs of what they go through. But what I also kept seeing was families being destroyed because, again, there's this space and this time you need to heal, and most families don't have the space to heal. For example, one of my brothers, also a veteran, he served in both Iraq and Afghanistan, and he has a, a larger family. So he can't just come home and tell his wife, I need time because their children need him, his wife needs him. Versus my family, it's two adults. So when I come home, before I could say I need time, my wife says to me, Bernard, I love you, and I know you're gonna need time. Let me know when you're back home internally. Wow. And then we'll continue life together. Wow. And that was such a gracious, loving thing for her to do, because I did need time, and I didn't know how to ask for it. So the journey continues where, I'm at a place where I can feel the wounds start to truly heal. And people are coming to me, veterans, people still in the military looking to transition as well. And my transition went really well because of the partners and others around me, mentors, coaches, who helped me see that technology would be a good fit for me. And I was already in the greater Seattle area, one of the bigger technology hubs within the country. So again, just having the right people around me 
my wife making that strong sacrifice to help me heal. And then as I was in a strong place internally, it was time to give back. And that's when I started to wade into the waters of giving back to the veterans community. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's almost as if it's a calling. It is. So it's a requirement. You saw the need and you're trying to fill the gap. Right. And let me just touch on this. So, and again, it wasn't an all in motion from the gate with me. So October, November, and then November, I really felt strongly, okay, Bernard, the way I'm going to focus on giving back is to write the book. So I push, I write the book, I get it done by December 31st, 2016 with the goal of publishing it with a veterans publisher in 2017 and stuck with the goal strongly. In between the book review, January 1st, and the publishing of the book, a gentleman walks into a Fort Lauderdale airport, and that's this year, 2017. And this gentleman opens fire on the entire airport, and the headlines blare, veteran shoots up an airport. And I'm here feeling what that eternal internal pain that he was going through became as he opened up firing on an airport. And I said to myself, and I could feel it strongly on the inside, Bernard, are you gonna sit on the sidelines? Or are you gonna lend your voice to showing veterans that we have two options? We can continue to build strong families and communities and companies, or we can live without purpose and end up in tough spaces and using our training for the worst case scenarios. You bring an important point up that I want to kind of address because people think that that's so far-fetched, but can you give us the six degrees of separation between how a tragedy like that can occur versus a proper transition, which is what you're advocating for? Right. I'm so thankful you're asking this and going there with me because I believe that, you know, veterans can unlock America's next golden age. Why? Because we're trained. We've been trained for hard things. So you plug us in at an amazing company or to amazing community circles, you're bringing someone who has the foundation to understand the long view and the work ethic to execute against the short-term goals that must get done to accomplish the long view. And that's every veteran in our country. Now, one of the issues with the training is you can't unlearn what you've been taught. If I've been taught to focus and hit a target consistently with a weapon, that's still in me. Yes. It's there. And my challenge is, what are you going to do with that training? What are you going to do with that ability to lock in on a target and hit that target? One of the first things I always advocate that veterans do in their continuing to serve beyond the uniform is go find the local coach at the sport that you enjoyed the most and just go ask them, could you be the assistant coach? Even if it's just managing a small part of the bigger picture, because now you're taking a lot of this training mentality into a place where it's welcome. Your local Little League, your local uh, Pop Warner football a place where they, they need to train the kids who show up. And you know so much about training. And as you do that, you start to build community. Like I spent so much time serving at the Boys and Girls Club in my local area, again, because 
having one more person as an advocate to help them empower children was huge. It wasn't a no. Of course, you do, you do your screenings and your checks as you should, but they welcome another voice helping with the work. And that's one thing I always like to see is veterans plugged into their community because that training at some point, there's a quote that says this, when things become stressful, you don't do what you want to do. You revert to what you were trained to do. Yes. That's powerful. Yeah, please go. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yes, you're right. Right. So I'm looking at so many men and women with these high levels of training, prepared to handle high levels of stress. But the flip side of that was we weren't trained to handle the small things. Dinner with the family, the small things, the spouse who just wants to spend time in front of a television when you probably haven't seen a TV in a year, two years just because of the op tempo and the training environments that you've been in. And then on top of that, if you've transitioned, you've taken the uniform off. So the people and conversations and communities that understand this mindset are no longer easily accessible. So you went from having 300 type A wired people who woke up at 2 a.m., and understood the 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. to extended hours, 8 p.m. grind to you're probably now the only person up at 2 a.m. And how do you balance your new realities? How do you change before change forces you to change? So a lot of the anxiety comes in the stillness, not in the activity. Again, I'm sitting in this restaurant with my wife and I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm hearing a hummingbird and overreacting because that's what was going on within me. I was overreacting to the external stimulus. But in another environment, you put me back in Afghanistan, the ability to hear that sound from afar off is now an asset, not a liability. So many of the things that we bring into our new environments without us knowing it, without us wanting it to be, are liabilities. If left unplugged in to new communities, if left unplugged in to new companies, and if left unplugged in to the family structure that we are a part of. Wow, this is amazing. One of the quivers, or one of the arrow in your quiver is entrepreneurship. Absolutely. You talked about the golden age. So tell me, how does entrepreneurship, number one, appeal to you but number two, how does it appeal to and benefit the overall veteran community? Yeah, yeah. So I want to just say thank you to all the amazing veterans and people who love and support the veterans community for helping veterans find entrepreneurship. We have amazing examples of veterans taking things to the next level. But where I always like to start, Brian, is with these examples. Many people don't know that Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, was a veteran. I love connecting people with the reality of that because Walmart has touched and affected everyone's life, period. Everyone. Whether you shop there or you don't, Walmart has affected your life. So when veterans lock in on a purpose, locking on a new target, lock in on an entrepreneurial venture, we are used to the stress of the way ahead. And we can see that in pure, tangible form in a massive corporation the size of a Walmart. The second thing I like to highlight is that 
veterans empower the next generation, their children, to do something great. I currently work at Microsoft, and Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, his father is a veteran. So the habits, the priorities, the core values that that father had, he took back home to his family, and it transferred into his son. And it not only did his son pursue one of the biggest American tech stories, but look on the back end, the philanthropy, the service. I make sure that veterans are always aware of those two stories because without knowing it, we make excuses and we play smaller because we have some struggles. But the truth is, everyone in the world is struggling with something. With something. With something. Uh, what are some of the unique challenges, though, for veterans becoming entrepreneurs? Well, one of the unique challenges that I would say immediately is that when veterans approach what they do next, like they have the same systems and communities as someone who didn't serve, then you're naturally behind. And, and I'll make that make even more sense. If a 19-year-old goes off to service country, like one of my close friends, he spent both his 18th and 19th birthdays in Afghanistan. So when he decides to leave the military and goes back to school, again, he's going back to school with a different perspective, a different way of life. Now, there were people who graduated with him at the same time who went straight to university right afterwards. So naturally, they're in different spaces. They have different connections. One was building connections within the military culture and community, and the other was building connections within his local state, university, and naturally, at first, the person who didn't serve has this advantage. But as the military service member decides to take off the uniform and continues to pursue forward, what we find is that there's this rich community of veterans who has been there, done that, and served or worked in the industries that we are trying to break into. And if we humble ourselves and just connect with them, they will plug us in at a, a, such a higher level because they know there's this deeper brotherhood, sisterhood of service and that they can count on us to tap into the core values that we were all trained at versus the person who just submitted their resume, they still have to be vetted on a different level. And I've seen it in my personal life and in my career. Like I love doing informational interviews to meet new people, to learn new skills. And one of the things that I always find is that when someone finds out I'm a veteran, they say, well, such and such is a veteran. Let me give you their number. And the conversations deepen. Okay. Because there's this natural connection of those who served, wore the uniform, transitioned, and we want to see each other win because we know our families are counting on it. We know our communities are counting on it. And we know ultimately our country needs everything that was invested in every veteran. Wow. So, so I like to ask this question because I know it's about building value in the minds of the people that are listening. So I'd like to have a conversation with, I'd like to speak to the Bernard Bergen. They created this blueprint of transitioning from service out in the military to service outside the military. Yeah. Right? So I like to speak to that person because you created this phenomenal blueprint. And what I want to know are some of the things that are in your head that allowed you to do that, because everyone hasn't done it successfully. Right. So right. that's the framing of the question. So here's one of the questions. 
What do you believe is one of your strongest personality traits? So back to the foundation of discipline, Brian. I'm in love with what discipline allows you to do. And I think people just hear the word wrong when they hear it. They don't hear disciple of a process. They don't hear that someone who is committed to doing exactly what they said they're going to do every single day, no matter the season, until it's completed. And again, when most of us think about discipline, maybe it's a parental or a school or a coach, we hear that type of discipline. So we don't see at times what it produced, you know, and I think I just have accepted life's disciplines. I accepted life's disciplines as proof that I'm called to something higher and that I'm loved at a certain level because I always envision the person who is going through the struggle, but has no one to get in their face would have preferred someone got in their face. I've seen men and women I've served with lose their families. And I've submitted to the discipline of mentors and coaches who've been married longer than me who would get in my face and say, okay, Bernard, we see that you're working, but show me your wife's name on your calendar. Because if you're not scheduling that, you're going to ignore it. And she's not to be ignored. The disciplines. So I've seen discipline work in every area of my life. And I've and the mindset that I approach to everything is not just what's the process, but what's the disciplines that lead to success. Because if you teach me the disciplines, Brian, I know it will work. It might take me longer because I might not have the natural talent, skill, or the gifting. But one plus one, if I keep practicing it, I'll figure out that it's two and it will become a part of my internal discipline. So you distinguish the process from the discipline. Right. So please clarify on that. What I love about you even drilling down in that is, and I'll use athletics because I think it's something we all can visualize very clearly. The process of being a high-performing quarterback is one thing, but the discipline to be a high-performing quarterback is another thing. Now, I, I grew up in Virginia, finished high school and college there. We've seen amazing quarterbacks, the Michael Vicks of the world. Yes. And again, if you've ever seen Michael Vick play football, you realize that there are levels of athleticism. That's a God-given gift. Sure. And then you see the Tom Brady's of the world. And then you realize that there's a discipline Mm. that can take someone through a process. That's so powerful. And lead them to greatness. The disciplines. He got in a system and he trusted the disciplines of that system, even in the latest Super Bowl where he, his team was down. He never broke the process. He never broke the plays and the strategies. He stuck with the disciplines of it. And it allowed his team to come out victorious. And I believe that's what discipline leads to. It leads to victory in any area of your life. If it's overeating, if it's business, if it's a stronger marriage, stronger company, if you commit to the disciplines, the disciplines will produce what they're designed to produce. And at times, we might have the gifts to be a part of the process, but we might not have the disciplines to stay within the process until something is produced. Wow. The discipline leads to victory. Let me repeat that. The discipline leads to victory, and it's guaranteed. Absolutely. So question for you. For those who don't know sports, for people who are not intimately connected to Michael Vick, or intimately connected to Tom Brady. Do yeah. you have another example, maybe in the popcorn yeah. realm? Yeah, Go ahead. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I'll take this to school. Now, 
think about the person who says, I'm a math person or I'm not a math person. All they're talking about is their commitment to the disciplines of the process. Because we know math is a universal language. If you decide to study math, no matter where you were born, no matter what country you find yourself in, what adds up adds up, what divides divides, what subtracts subtracts, and what multiplies multiplies. But it's up to you to be disciplined about learning the processes of the mathematics discipline. Now, you don't have to. You could say, oh, I'm not a math person and ignore the disciplines of showing up every day, studying your mathematics for 30 minutes every single day, getting with a tutor, someone more advanced with you once a week to build on the habits and disciplines that lead to you truly being a master of the subject. But anyone we see excel at anything, because I heard someone say this and I'm still wrestling with it, but it makes so much sense. They said, talents expire, but gifts doesn't. So you could be a talented athlete, but at some point, your age and the sport will leave you behind. That is correct. That is correct. That is so powerful. In fact, I'll add one to it. Gifts don't expire. In fact, gifts are without repentance. But what will expire is a skill, a talent, or an ability. They can expire. They can expire, but they can be enhanced. And they can be enhanced, like you said, this is so powerful what you just said. They can be enhanced through discipline. Yeah. Because quite frankly, the greatest quarterbacks are not always the greatest athletes. Right. 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 And so some of the greatest of scholars were not the greatest of students. Ah, come on, man. Right. Right. I'm seeing what you're talking about. Okay. Go ahead. And, you know, I was having a conversation over dinner last night and we were talking about that where in today's world, there's this assumption that coming from an affluent family gives you this natural advantage. No. But it doesn't. No. Because you might not have learned at a young age to overcome hard things. Yes, sir. And the person who has spent the most time overcoming hard things when life happens, and it will happen, you lose a parent, you lose another loved one, just life setbacks in the business and and finances, life. You don't have the discipline of having been here before and overcame it before. And at times it sets you back and slows you down in ways you never expected to be set back or slowed down. But the person who've had to drudge through, you know, and many veterans have experienced that. They've done hard things. They face hard things. They've had to have hard conversations they start to build this skill, this muscle, this discipline to face it, to look it in the eyes. And that's why I always tell veterans, you're already trained. When you're ready to stop making excuses, I can speak to your training. But until you're ready to stop making excuses, continue to do what you're doing. But the second you're ready, let's talk. Because I can speak to what I know is in you. Because we all went through basic training. We have this base level of what we can push beyond. And that's still in you. You can't unlearn it. And I think that applies to so many other areas of our life, Brian. When you already know what, you already know what to do. Right. And when you get tired of the excuses, then we can talk about it. Wow. That's coaching one-on-one. Okay. So again, drilling down on your mindset because you, sir, have the blueprint from transitioning. And we can talk about transitioning from the military to civilian life, but we can also trans or talk about the transition from anything that is past and done mm-hmm. something brand new. Okay. Mm-hmm. That in mind, I'm curious to know, how do you spend your free time? 
I'm going to tell on myself, I am not a big free time person. I love things to be scheduled as much as possible. And something I always try to share with people, I believe spontaneity is what happens when there's a force change to your plan. Like you have a plan in place. And for example, there was a major airport with a power outage yesterday, delaying flights across the country. So maybe you had a plan to fly, but this is the busiest airport in our country and it's shut down. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden you have a new order or you have a new route to take. And in that moment, maybe you take some spontaneous action. Maybe you go to the movies. Maybe you add something new or you work on something different. But you had a plan in place. So I believe that you live for a plan because when you have a plan, you can change that plan. What I would say is, while I don't have free time, I do have scheduled activities that differs from what I would call my work. And some of those activities are reading. I love audiobooks. I love physical books. So reading is one of the things that I do to sharpen my mind. So you mentioned that you are a reader, an avid reader. Can you give us a few books that you recommend? Yes, yes, yes. One of the books that I read consistently uh, once a year is The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And one of the reasons I like this book is that it walks you through the principles that within the context of any environment will lead you to be successful. And some of the things that stand out to me all the time is, for example, affirmations. You know, again, it walks you through how to affirm yourself, how to believe in what you said you're committed to, and then commit to doing the work. You know, it walks you through being a part of mastermind groups or coaching communities and how that helps you even if only virtually at first, find and connect with people who remind you that everyone is not willing to come home and watch four or five hours of television every night. Some people are willing to work eight hours a day, come home, spend two hours, three hours with family, and then spend the next four hours working on their business, working on their goals and working on their dreams. And another one I would recommend that really again, shook me up just by the sharpness, not just of the language, but of the concepts, was a book entitled Relentless by Tim Grover. And in this book, Tim Grover really breaks down the mindset of those athletes that he trained that performed at the highest level. For example, he trained Michael Jordan, he trained Kobe Bryant, he trained Dwayne Wade. And he just talks about that instinct to push yourself and push yourself and push yourself despite the fact that the only one pushing is you. There's no one else that's going to push you. There's no one else saying, man, commit to waking up at this time and get into the gym. Commit to the disciplines and habits that are going to lead to certain results. How important is community? Oh, wow. Because right? you mentioned accountability, right? Yeah. You mentioned accountability, you mentioned discipline. Yeah. How important is community to maintain discipline and to maintain accountability? Yeah, so... Right there, I'll tap back into something I, again, I live. Discipline is my love language. But Mm. accountability is how you sharpen discipline. Mm. Accountability for me, I don't like making it super deep. It's simply this. You count and you can be counted on. Mm. And if you break any part of that equation, you disconnect from the communities that need you. If you don't know that you count, and if you don't know that you can be counted on, You live in a state of who's counting on me? 
And you live in a state of who needs me. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the American landscape, there's this myth of the self-made human being. As beautiful as that sells, nothing self-made. It's a collective of individuals and teams partnering, bonding, creating, reiterating, tabling, and dusting things off the shelf and focusing on a goal together in a way that empowers all of us. Community. I'm so thankful for my time in the service because in the military service, there was a system called the battle buddy system where you were paired up with one other individual. And if they got in trouble, you got in trouble. And if they succeeded, you succeeded. But mostly you got in trouble if they got in trouble. That was mostly what, <laughs> what happened. Yeah. However, you started to form a bond because there was a common goal. There was a common suffering. There was someone who was always responsible to challenge you to be your best. Always. And that relationship has lasted beyond the military. Community. You know, he's pursuing his career, you know, on Wall Street, and we check up on each other. He checks up on me. Bernard, how many veterans did you speak to this week? Good. He's in my face about things that he knows about me. Good. It helps me see beyond my current state. Community, I count, and I can be counted on. And I think at times, without knowing it, especially in the veteran leader space, we let the habits and pressures of doing the hard work and the hard work to heal distract us from the communities that we're still on earth to serve. And it starts with your family. And then it just continues to ripple outward. You know, you're here to serve. And not everyone is called to that specific level of service. But if you accept it, if you answer the call, then your, your heart to serve until you leave the planet, that's what you're here to do. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So last question. How do people get in contact with you? Okay, Brian, thank you for that. BernardBergen.com. And from there, you can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat. You know, I'm learning to have the conversation where the conversation is being had. And I think, again, it was a stretch. I had to relearn how to use the tools. But it's such a fun way to engage and truly hear the veterans' voices, hear the community's voices, hear the feedback and commentary. There's no bad questions or bad comments. You don't have to like what I am or who I am or what I do. But what I would always appreciate is that you share your point of view because I'm pretty sure I can learn from you as you can learn from me. So again, connect with me at bernardbergen.com. If Instagram's your favorite platform, I'm on Instagram, Bernard Bergen. And again, just feel free to message me. Let me know that you heard me here on the Certified Clarity Podcast. Yes, sir. Did I get it right? And, you know, I'd love to hear just your feedback, comments, because I I don't believe I have all the answers. I believe I have one perspective. I believe it's an informed perspective. But without your voice, without your commentary, without your insight, I'll always have blind spots and I will always be blind to what else I can do to serve the veteran leader community. That is awesome. And just to be clear, Bernard is spelled B-E-R. N-A-R-D and Bergen is spelled B-E-R-G-A-N, brother. And I say brother because we are new friends, new fast friends, and I appreciate everything you've said. I thank you for what you've done, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. This has been amazing for me. Awesome, sir. Have a great day. You too.